you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd And he spent some time talking about that with respect to some of the characters. Um, and then, then we talked a little bit about the, uh, the whole little Britain thing. The one thing that he didn't he, he someone else had talked about little Britain and the fact that he had worked with Tom Baker yeah, because Baker did all the voiceover yeah, yeah. and he said, well, yeah, Tom's Tom's just one of those people that you, you can hear him do the voice. And I had always thought that that was because at that time, Tom Baker was the voice of British telecom. If you, if you left a voicemail message on somebody's phone, mm-hmm. Tom Baker was the prompting voice because Baker tells a story of, he was mar- married to Lila Ward. Yes, Lila. Yeah. And he said, one of the things that I, I really feel sorry for her is that um, after our divorce, which wasn't really amicable, she had so to heard. she had to hear my my voice every time she she got a voicemail message. So, but he felt sorry for it. He's yeah. just a he's a gentleman. He's just such. A, Have you ever heard the inter- the interview CD? Mm-mm. Tom Baker or Dady? I'll, I'll I'll find it. I'll, I'll loan it to you. Okay. It's, it's Ed Nicholas Briggs interviews him, and I, I bought it the first Gallifrey one I went to, and it's just it's a it's an amazing conversation. I don't know that I I don't think I would have bought it. For, you know, because I think they've done a couple of other ones with other doctors. I'm not. It wasn't interesting. Tom Baker's was, you know, interesting. Well, did you watch the year in review? Yeah. Video. So when they got to the bit where the um, the TV news person was interviewing him over yeah. over a Skype video yeah. line or whatever, and it was lagging, but she was stepping on his lines as he's yeah. talking. You could tell him he's kind of going, but then he just kind of relaxes and smiles. He goes, he's he's. He's not going to get upset about something as silly as what he's going right. to say. Whereas you can see a lot of other people, uh, actors and stuff, saying, you know, if you give me a chance to answer. You know. But uh, he's just uh, – he's, he's, he's probably my favorite doctor. But uh, as, yeah. far as, as far as person, I love John Pertwee because I like what he brought to the yeah, doctor yeah. after the first – first couple he really took a left turn as far as what the doctor was mm-hmm. after the first three or after the first two because he was number three um and then baker took a 180 and that's established the precedent that they aren't really that much alike after yeah although i you know stephen moffat might argue with that he might but he argues at the drop of a hat yes i know that's what i say is uh i did not want to encounter him just because i feel that i am the person who i kept bumping into him i i I bump into him every year he's at comic-con and i've been at two press conferences and he turned on me because the one press conference was when he had first been announced as showrunner and he every question was why should i tell you that Mm. i'm like because you're here 
right. to answer questions. And I said something about Ewoks. And he got mad at me for, for making fun of Ewoks. And I went, okay. He's having a bad day. No, he's always having a bad day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's <clears throat> that's a different thing. So this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief <laughs> of fanboyplanet.com. And, and uh, I'm going to apologize in advance. I have not quite gotten my voice back even from episode 500. I did listen to it, and I feel like I was losing my voice. And uh, so – I didn't get it. But we, I, we yeah. jo- you know, well, I can tell, you okay. know, we, we joke about joke, uh, in the segment coming up about Derek's, you know, deep voice and I can just hear it, you know, so I apologize. It's going to probably be a few weeks before I'm back to full mellifluidousness. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> anyway, uh, so across from me, uh, here hosting at the fabulous Brett cave podcast producer extraordinaire, Rick Brett Snyder. And we are, this is uh, an annual special episode. It is. Very special. So uh, we have, we're going to talk some comics news. We're going to talk about Black Panther because. It's time. It's fair. Right now, you know, no spoiler. It's over. Uh, You know, the time for spoilers because everyone in the world has seen Black Panther now. And now the challenge is see it again. Yeah. uh, Which I will do tomorrow night. And, um, but this is our CineQuest interview. Uh, with Mike Rabel, the programming director of Cinequest. So we talked about Cinequest 2018, which starts for US, us next USA week. USA Today's number one film uh, festival as voted on by the readers of USA Today. And, yeah, I'm not going to make the joke I would make. So uh, that's, I'm learning. Uh, yeah, so uh, – that, and after that, I will uh, give a little uh, – little letter to the editor that I got. Oh, good. That follows up. Actually, I wrote back and said, this is perfect timing because we talked about it in our conversation with Mike Rabel. Great. So, without further ado, conversations with Mike Rabel. All right. Well, shall we begin? Yeah, you got to lead in, I think. I know, I understand. I'm waiting for the Uh, sign. For you. There it is. (laughs) Have you been recording this whole time? I have. That's the way it works. Hey, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And to my left, we're, we're mobile and remote today. We're remotely mobile. I don't, I don't want to say we're remote. I feel very present. We're but, very close. Yeah. But can you be remotely mobile? No, we're, well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. We're but distant, we're closer than we usually are when recording. So uh, I'm Rick Brett Snyder. And we are sitting here in the offices of CineQuest uh, with program director Mike Rabel. Wow. Wow, I didn't realize I was going to have that sort of introduction. Well, I didn't know what el- how else to introduce you. <laughs> you really. can use it on your. You know, if we if we now. if we want to talk about the uh, the history of Cinequest, you know, first of all, it, let's break down the etymology. It's uh, you were cert- you were questing for Cinna. Cinna, Latin for. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yes, we are here to talk about the 2018 Cinequest. San Jose Cinequest Film Festival, which and uh, sorry, Film and VR Festival. Which opens, good Lord, next week, right? Next Tuesday. So, well, well, I don't know when this podcast is going to happen. It's so. okay. We just do time travel. Just, okay. you know, just February, give the date. February 27th. Tuesday, February 27th. That's, so that, that could be tomorrow by the time you listen to this. That's exactly that is one true. week away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. But we're recording on a week before, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I say, we, we time travel on this <clears throat> podcast all the time. So let, let, let us talk about... Uh, 
There are many things that happen at CineQuest, one of which is you bring in guests, you have the Maverick Award, and special events. Let's open with that before we talk about the actual film of the film festival. can't believe you didn't mention any of the drinking we do. <laughs> I know nothing about that publicly. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Publicly. Yeah. Pub- publicly, publicly, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I can't say that anymore after the Seven Stars episode 500. Not know. really. Yeah. <laughs> right, you should go down. Where are we hiding? Order a Zorlac. You know, they, they've, they've named cocktails after us. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so. All right, yeah, go back to, go back to Cinequest, uh, not the drinking. But that happens at Cinequest. <laughs> I, I can neither confirm nor deny. No, anyway. you can't. Apparently not. Um, so what was your question? <laughs> Let's talk about the guests that are coming this year. We've in the years past. We've had you've had Harrison Ford. We had Lawrence Kasdan a couple of years ago. Neil Gaiman. Uh, yeah. Many people. You know, You're correct on all counts there. Yes. I know Ben Kingsley years yeah. past. You know, so I mean, people. Those are people who I actually saw speak at Cinequest. So who could I come and see speak this year? This year, well, um, if you uh, want to look at uh, just the Maverick Spirit events, um, we're talking. I about, do. We're talking about Nicolas Cage. You know, a star of Con Air and Face Off and however many big movies like that. But Valley also, Girl. Valley Girl, but also Moonstruck, uh, yeah. Leaving Las Vegas. Peggy Sue Got Married. Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah. Um, the Cotton Club. Have, I mean, which, we could just keep Which has one of my favorite delivery lines of his and Peggy Sue Got Married, but I'm not going to say it on the air. Um, but Raised in Arizona, mm-hmm. also one of my favorite comedies ever, so – so he's the, and and oh and and uh, the the, uh, the vampire's kiss, which is probably one of his craziest roles. I, I love that movie. <laughs> I do too, but it's one of his craziest roles I've ever seen. Well, that's what I love about Nicolas Cage is <clears throat> is constantly different. Yeah, you know, kick ass. Ma- he's Adam West. It's, maverick, you mean? All right, if you want me to say that, okay. he's all a right. maverick. TM. There you go. Um, also, Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black. Um, the lead Orphan Black Emmy Award winning actress. I believe we've heard of her. Sci-fi. Yes. <laughs> I've heard of that genre. Where she plays like seven or eight roles. I think it's something, yeah, something like that. It it's might even same. be more than that because I think they just, that's all they introduced us to. But I think right. it, it, it's almost like they give a history of she had more. So there's like a lot of deleted scenes yeah. of her with other characters. Right. Yeah. And but, she'll portray them all at the Maverick Award ceremony. But then, but then not so sci-fi, Andy McDowell. Um, but Groundhog Day, I guess you could kind of call yeah, it sci-fi. We'll, we'll count yeah. that. We'll oh, count definitely. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. So Andy McDowell's sci-fi. <laughs> Groundhog Day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So those are – Those are those, those are the three Mavic Spirit guests. And, of course, we're doing a media legacy award to Ben Mangovitz from TMC. Mm-hmm. So, or TCM. TCM. <laughs> TCM. Not TMZ. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and not TMZ. Uh, <laughs> TCM. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, yes. And then there are others that are just coming for the you know yeah. with their films like Opening Night, William H. Macy. From Mystery Men. Mystery Men. There we go. Tie there it go. The, uh, I wanna go. T- I'm gonna tie it into sci fi whatever I can. Absolutely. Look, that's you know, the podcast kind of caters to that. And it stars Rosario Dawson from Daredevil and all the Netflix Marvel shows. And also, uh, you know, she was in uh, Sin, City. Sin City and yeah. she is a major, major comic book fan and a comic book writer herself. Yep. Nick Robinson, also from Jurassic World, is in the film. All right. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, anyway. No, that, that was good, though. That's good. Tie them all in. I, I mean, mean, you know, I think we're, right now, the you know, next year, the Maverick Spirit Award has to go to somebody who has not been in any sci-fi at all. Like, is there any actor left? A, I don't know if that's possible. Well, yeah, I have to – one of our audience members right now is screaming at his uh, his podcast device saying – Andy McDowell was in Greystoke, too. 
Oh. Oh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, right, I never right saw it. Right here in the so. Cinder Quest Guide. I never saw it. I never saw you it. never saw Greystoke? That's, That's a really good did. film. Yeah. 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 Peter Fonda will be here with the world premiere of his new film. Piper Laurie will be here. Mm-hmm. Um, From Carrie and Twin Peaks. Yeah. 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 Um, the good Carrie. Uh, and, Peter Fonda and, was in and, Escape from L.A. And we'll have that's them. right. Yeah, oh. there we go. We, we can do it. There we can do it. And there, are, and there are a number of people coming in for closing night: Charlie Sheen, John C. McGinley. Charlie um, Sheen is his own sci-fi film, <laughs> uh, but also forgetting, uh, you know, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. No, uh, being John Malkovich. Uh, so was he in that? Yes, he is in being John. Malkovich. Oh my god, I haven't seen it in such a long time. And uh, and who else? Did you, John C. Riley. John C. McGinley. Oh, John C. McGinley. Even from better. Scrubs. Yes. But that's not sci-fi. <laughs> no, no, but he has a Stand Against Evil right now on I, is uh, okay. it IFC? Is Jeez. that the channel showing it? You know, anyway, it's a decent horror sitcom. Okay. Well, there you go. I don't really, I shouldn't call it a horror sitcom. That makes it sound like, and there's a laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> the vampires killed everyone live in front of a live studio audience. No, but it's a, it's a comedy, a horror comedy. Uh, let's, and I, let's see if I could tie in other guests to something in the genre. All right, try it. Jessica Perret. From Mad Men. Well, there's the scene where the no, dead, no, no. I, I actually she is, and I can't think of what it is. I, I know that I, because I had not watched Mad Men, and I know that I've seen Jessica Perret in a film, and it's very likely that it was a sci-fi film. Okay, Mach- and that's the best I can do right now. Well, I can tie this next person into uh, something. Twin Peaks again. Machinomics going to be here. Who? Oh, Machinomics. All right. Uh, she I, was uh, uh, the daughter of. Um, she, she worked at the diner. Uh, and I can't remember her character's name. Oh, she, she was the one who Shelley. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Shelley. 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 I had, I had to think about it for a second. I had to think of her name. Ma, yeah, okay. but she directed one of the. Short I had fi- to spell it in my head. And she's on Riverdale. She plays Betty Cooper's mom. Oh, that's right. Oh my god, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then <laughs> yeah. She, oh, she's great. She, wow. direct, she directed a short film that's in the festival. Is going to be here. So. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, she's great. And you know, I, this is what I, I, I honestly, <laughs> I thought her name was pronounced Machen. I don't really actually know. I've never actually heard anybody actually say it until now. So I'm not sure. So if anybody listening is screaming at their device, it's pronounced this way, please tell us before the festival opens and she shows up. Miss Amick. Ms. Amick. Ms. Amick. Well, we don't know if it's Ms. or not. You know. Well, okay. Look, I'm trying here. I'm trying. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll stop bugging you. No, all right. Macaw. Yeah, you will. You'll keep bugging me. It's That's macaw. what you do. That's what I do, yeah. Well, my my it, grandfather it, allegedly oh, used to argue that. It's Macau. <laughs> <sighs> what other great jokes I haven't heard since first grade can we go with? Uh, <laughs> every day. It's, it's Derrick. It's Derrill. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's the lovely. So what events are there? I just saw uh, wearing sunglasses like uh, festival founder uh, Hofton Hussey just tried to like – He's leaving the building. Go by. He's, he's like trying to, to, he's trying to, he's trying to act like – you know, He had his collar up. He's like <laughs> looking very <laughs> – Very strange. Oh, he's coming in. He's coming it's in. It's kind of like Wait, this is run in. by a happy Lex Luthor. He's com- oh, he's not coming in. He's no, not, he's he not. He's walking out of the door. No, he's Fake not. Fake you out. No. Oh. oh the see. co-founders. No, the, the co-founders. Oh, here they come. Just, here they come. They're coming in. We They're locked coming them out. In. No, just say hello. <laughs> hello. We're talking about, about a little event that's starting next week that you're responsible for, so... Yes. Well, we're expecting 520 million people to show up. <laughs> That's great. And if you come, it'll be 520 million. Man, apartment rentals are going to go way up. Parking is going to be really hard. Science <laughs> fiction is live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have uh, we have a hit attendance so far, and so great. I'm excited. 
Record Excellent. attendance, yeah. the highest number of filmmakers coming into town. This is exciting. It's going to be hopping. Wonderful. All right. Amazing. Wonderful. Well, you guys are going to lunch. I did, we didn't mean to stop you from that. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, just, uh, we just unloaded a shipment of Tito's vodka for all of you. Oh, that's exactly what we were talking about. Oh, no. <laughs> Mike and I were talking <laughs> about a new fine. podcast where we just sit and drink Tito's vodka. and uh, I know. It's, we were getting Chris, Chris Garcia and the four of us. Uh, there's three Excellent. of us with Chris Garcia. and the, Well, the, he said five of us because Tito's will be in the middle. Sign right. me up. Sign me up. Okay, six of us. There we go. Six of us. Could we <laughs> occasionally get a massage on the monkey the shoulder? Dozen. <laughs> well, I think show is very good. Yeah. It actually yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. It's my all current right. favorite. See you all at City Quest. See you. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, well, then wait two seconds. Uh, <laughs> wow. Score. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Don't tell my son. Luckily, he doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, so he doesn't approve of you getting little gratuities? No. No? no. Anyway, uh, so while, while we wait, what kind of events are happening this year? That I mean, because there's always meetups, which are which are great. There's right. always little parties, and, and yeah, there's, there's, I yeah. sound so reductive. Little parties, yeah, marvelous get-togethers. Little parties. We have little what? <laughs> we do the Batusi. <laughs> well, this must you, happen is now. The, is that the actual name of the dance? The Batusi. Okay, yes. okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Um, well, of course, opening night uh, with the William H. Macy film, which will be here for, um, we actually have uh, a party at – well, actually, it's it's one large party in two venues wow. um, at Farmers Union and um, uh, Sushi Confidential. So people will get the, the flavor of like the California – Are they right cuisine. next to each other? Yeah, they are. Excellent. California cuisine mixed <laughs> with sushi. Oh, wow. Look at this. I'm bringing you my personal stash. It's yours. <laughs> wow. I love Then I am I so touched you, by so this. The, po- the podcast listeners are hearing him get booze. So when we go for lunch, <laughs> right? we have to find someplace. That, what? That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah it absolutely it, yeah. is. I do it's love fantastic. this. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> wow. I, I most appreciate that there are actual monkeys, <laughs> monkeys on the You have to save the this bottle. This is like a bottle. It is a really good bottle yeah. It's a great bottle. Yeah. I I drink responsibly and based on how silly the name of an alcohol when is. When you finish that up, you can put a other yellow liquid in there just to make it look like it's got. For more information on Monkey Shoulder, visit www. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Anyway, so go back to the events. Uh, what is the name of William H. Macy's film, Crystal. by the way? Crystal, Crystal. with a K and a uh, Y. Like Liza with a Z. Okay, I get it. But Go. not like KY. Anyway. This is why we can only have you your on once son, a year. Your son doesn't listen to the podcast. No, I it's know. okay. No, but there are people who <laughs> write in. Anyway, go ahead. But 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 Rosario Dawson does play Kentucky. a stripper, so All right. <laughs> so You had you had me. <laughs> so there's a so there's a, a party. Yeah. There's parties after um and then the next night, uh, the events, we talked about Maverick Spirit Award, Nicholas Cage next night. And then every night for the festival, there's a party, two parties usually. Right, there's one, uh, there's there's like one a, right around 5, 6 o'clock. And then five, one 5 to later. 7, and then the later one, actually, it's even, it's later earlier this year. So they used to be 9.30 to midnight, now they're 8.30 till whenever it stops. The 5 o'clock one's so a 11 o'clock. It's, it's well, still called a meetup, right? It's like, I know. There's, there's 5 to 7 is a soiree. A soiree. The meetup is the late one. Okay. The Later. Voca- the terminology is key here. I, I guess so. I, I, yeah. What is the difference? For someone, what's the difference besides hours? I'm not going to let you uh, make well, that easy. Well, soiree the, and meetup. The, the, the soiree is actually for pass holders only. Um, and it's hosted. Explain the pass. The, the pass. Okay. I, the pass is something that goes to guests of the festival and or you could purchase the pass 
through the website or at the box office. And that and, gets you into and, all the movies? And that gets you into movies, events, and so on. There's different levels of passes, so you have to actually read to find out what you get with each one. So not all passes get into, like, the soirees. Ah. Uh, not all passes get into the Maverick Spirit events. Not all passes get into like, – because we have uh, the the uh, all-access pass, which is everything. Then you have the Mavericks pass, which is everything except for the soirees and something else, <laughs> VR. And then you have the Film Lovers pass, which is just for – all regular film screenings. And there's one that lets you go ahead in the line. That's an express line, express. That, and that's separate from the. That, that's, that's not really a, a pass. Add on. That's more or less if you just want to just skip the line, skip ish, because there's other people with express passes too. So it's a shorter line. It's the right. fast pass. Yeah. Basically, uh, yeah. To put yeah. it to our listeners, our Disney fans, right? It's right, the right. fast pass of CineQuest. Oh yeah, I, I've always got to tie it into something that they could relate to. Yes, <laughs> I know. I absolutely we'll appreciate help. that. <laughs> so okay, then we can go into uh, we've. Explain the events. Yeah, but but the, but but the events. But there's also you know, like I said, with the with the with the opening closing night. But there's also uh, uh, the VR, which is also oh. its its own event itself. And Derek, having programmed some of the VR this year, I did. I was very honored to be asked. Um, you know that we're doing the United States premiere of Ultraman VR. I know. The United States premiere of it. He just got a little taller. No, no, no. Maybe because I was very excited that I it was on the list of like, I must review this. Wait, Ultraman? I, Ultraman? Uh, so, uh, yes, it's very exciting. It has exciting. not shown in the U.S. yet. So It's barely shown in Japan. With a, yeah. I did some research on it. It showed for two days, and that was it. So this is very wow. this is very exciting. And, and ex- explain what it is, because I haven't seen it myself. So All right. It's actually – okay. <clears throat> so for those who – are Ultraman fans. It's actually Ultraman Zero, who is the current person from the planet of Ultraman. Uh, I lost, there's a planet of Ultraman? There's a whole planet of Ultraman. <sighs> I, I've got a DVD. You and I will sit down and watch and be just like, what the heck is yeah, going we, on with we, this shit? We, we say we're going to do this stuff all the time. It never happens. I know. I know. We act like we could be I'm friends. Stu- I'm still stuck on trying to figure out who Godzuki is. So. Not at all in <laughs> Japanese continuity. But anyway, uh, in Toho continuity. So uh, anyway, Ultraman Zero is the latest uh, one, and you basically begin in a Japanese office building, and there's just a meeting going on, and then the news comes on, and apparently, I can't remember the name of the monster, but it's in the title, too. It's Ultraman Zero versus some monster. I Until recently, I didn't even know they had names. You know, the, mon- Girl, you yeah. know, the monsters are just to be their monsters. How people in Japan know, you know, like, I mean, when you're living in that world, does the monster come and say, "I am"? If a monster comes and wrecks your city, you better well know. Well, learn it's, it's, name. you know, it's not like Marvel where the monsters came and said, "I am Gugam." You know, <laughs> I am Fin Fang Fear my mouth. You know, uh, <laughs> I am Groot. It was, um, yeah. Is, anyway, is Groot really a monster though? He, he was, was originally. originally. Oh, yeah. Wow, Jinx. <laughs> you hear buying lunch anyway. So, uh, anyway, or at least a Coke or a Coke Zero. So, oh my god. <laughs> so. Uh, the monster attacks. You're in the office. Like this monster's attacking. And everybody's panicking. What to do to evacuate the office? And then Ultraman Zero shows up, and they fight. And you end up on the street underneath them, and they're fighting over you. Oh, and I'm thinking, man, okay. when I was five, you know, we just got back from Gallifrey One, and we always talk about the hide behind the couch thing. Yeah, that was the show. I'd watch it at my grandmother's house, and like I'd start close to the TV, and the more I knew that monster was coming, the farther and farther away I would get. But it's like I wish I was, you know, the courage to be right there. It does kind of sound like Ultraman Cloverfield. 
It's a well that started. I mean, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's one of the, one of the things. So it's a, it's a really it's fun. And now my last my last uh, memory of Ultraman is from Captain Cosmic. So oh yeah, right. And that's the show that yeah most of us watch. I don't think the other the later ones really got translated. Although, although I like Space Giants the best. Mm, but they're not in the VR festival. No, but there are not. some really cool other things. Now I heard we talked on the five hundredth that virtual recality made it in. Is that right? Or is Chris Garcia? Which one? Virtual Recality, the Rick and Morty one. It was in it last is. year. It's, 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 um, it was one of those. I'm, I'm, I'm turning the pages as you talk. All right. You know. It was at one of the st- uh, VR stations last year, the one that Right. Was I mean, it's been available model. commercially for yeah. a year. Rickality. Yep. Yes, Virtual Rickality, yes. Yeah. So uh, there are some amazing <clears> – I mean, you the one that you and I watched – Almost together, like we came Almost. into this very room and you started watching recall. it and you said, take a look, Recall. Oh, no, not Recall. Um, uh, uh, recall is different. It's uh, it's another. It's called something else. Doggone it. Um, because uh, it, 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 re- revoked. Revoked. Because there's one called Recall in, too. Recall. Yeah. I, I, I remember. Re- I, although, for some of us, it's Recall. <laughs> I, I, I recall watching that. Uh, but Revoked, yeah. I'm going to recommend to everyone – Mike watched it first and then showed it to me. It was on the Gear VR. And this was – I turned to Hofton and said, this is what VR can be and should be. Yeah. Telling stories, giving the opportunity. And as I noticed, there was a theme going through a lot of submissions that's very political and yeah. very much about what's going on today, even though it's sci-fi because it really mm-hmm. is three, two, three years in the future. It's in the future. Yeah. I don't remember how many years. It, it's the near future. But mm-hmm. it's it was powerful. Yeah. It was a really powerful experience. And that's what I – when I was first introduced to VR a couple of years ago or a few years ago now, I guess, is like this is the potential. Yeah. And it, and that's the first thing I've seen that's like this what's is it, absolutely – What's it about? What do you, what do, you do in it? There was a terrorist attack. So everyone who is in the U.S. with a, on a green card has their green card revoked, okay. and it's mm-hmm. about a Persian woman. I mean, and we're hearing the, about this happening with DACA right now. There's, you know, a, there's a Persian woman who whose family was here on a green card. She has doesn't speak Farsi. She has no memory of really being in Iran, and <clears throat> so she goes on the run. While everybody's supposed to, everyone. So who, she's sent back to Iran. No, no, no she no, goes no. on the run. Yeah. Trying she was to on escape. the run in the U. Oh, in that's the why US. she doesn't want to go back. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And so there's, you know, basically becoming this underground railroad of, uh, you know, of people who've had their green cards revoked, getting them to place to safety from our own government. Yeah, she's trying to get to the border, basically, to get out of the country. Canada. And st- to, basically, yeah. I know it, the it, is Canada, it is Canada, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and so that's that's basically what the story is, um, and it's but what, you can it's ex- like fifteen twenty minutes, but it's still and each and each well, uh, it, it, you, you, there's interactive, so it, it's a little bit longer than that. each set piece has choices. You can learn as much or as little yeah. background information as uh, you want, and so you little, know, would you like to know more? N- n- well, so you focus on it, and there's a call for a message from her brother, uh, so you get yeah. the perspective okay. of the guy who is already uh, overseas yeah. and the concern, and so again, you could. You could barrel through a straight-up narrative, right. but you can explore it's so like the much old more. hypertext games where you could, yeah. you could check out things. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, of course, other stuff in the VR. We're doing the world premiere of uh, the 
Humanity, or um, yeah, Humanity Bureau, which is with Nicolas Cage, the VR version of it. Right, I didn't mm. see that one. Yeah, so. and I actually I haven't either, but they have. So, and then the world premiere of Speed Kills with John Travolta, which uh, they're directed by the same person. And what they're doing now, Travis Cloyd is the person who's kind of behind all, and the recall is the other one too. We're showing all three, and uh, they're all uh, uh, essentially companion pieces with the actual movies that have been shot and are being completed. So that's the, that's the new kind of a new thing that's happening too. You, it's it, they're not they're not scenes from the movie. They're actually VR experiences, but they actually enhance your experience with the movie. And so there's, we're doing that. We're showing a lot of that too. So the VR stuff, you basically you have to put on headgear and headphones for these things, yeah. right? So you you go and you get in line to experience this you're not sitting we, in a theater where no where you you're, you're going to where you you are in a theater but not a movie theater you're in a right a, you're in the california theater upstairs in the in the, the the rehearsal room right 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 and we have that set up like we did last year and um what you're doing the way we're doing it is uh, you buy a half hour or 45 minute time slot and you experience one of these programs during that time frame. I, I have to say that room last year was so surreal. It was like yeah. 60s science fiction. Like you walk in and everyone's kind of slumped in their chairs with their headsets yeah. on and yeah. stuff. And they occasionally are moving or they, they jerk and back. We, and, yeah. we, and we had the mood lighting in there too. Yeah, yeah. It was really, it was really Well, let me talk about the pairing because I actually can. Uh, there's a couple of things <clears throat> I want to make sure that listeners take a shot at. Uh, that with Revoked is also a really powerful uh, piece called After Solitary which is about a, a guy going back into the prison in which he was in solitary confinement and talking mm-hmm. about his time. And, uh, so it's and an interview kind of thing. They, uh, yeah, there's no, you don't hear their questions. He just talks about it, and right. then they provide information. That's program three. And then program seven, because this is – it's an interesting combination. Uh, the second piece is kind of a Twilight Zone episode called Knives, which was really interesting, and I recommended that. I really liked it. Um, when I was programming, and tell me if you had the same thought, is often I was asking the question, did this need to be VR? Mm-hmm. And it, to tell the story. Well, and, some, I, and this yeah. is one of those that really used it right. fairly well. Uh, th- and then there are some, you know, and they didn't make it in. Ultraman Zero VR absolutely needed to be in VR. Yeah. yeah but, see, see, for me, it's like I, I, since I don't watch a lot of the VR stuff, I focus on the 2D stuff. Um, I, <laughs> but I, I, I know, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know. But um, but so I don't really have that question. But I do ask questions like, do we need to help this movie in any way? It's it's shown uh-huh. it's shown in like twenty thirty festivals, right? Uh, but this film hasn't shown anywhere yet. It's like, who needs our help more? You know, kind of thing. Um, because really, twenty thirty festivals. If you haven't found a distributor by that time, you, you're not going to you're oh, going to you're going to go self distribution or 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 something else. Mm-hmm. But the ones that haven't shown anywhere yet, it's like yeah, they need help to be seen mm-hmm. and to be introduced to people. But so I'm going to finish the um, the combo with knives is if you're going to go in because you want to <clears> watch the Twilight Zone episode, yeah. The thing that opens it is sadly not. A Twilight Zone episode at all, a documentary called Behind the Fence, and I think it was the first thing I watched. And I took the goggles off crying. Yeah. Because it's about the Rohingya in uh, in Myanmar. And there's a genocide happening that we aren't talking about much in yeah. the media here, and almost everyone who filmed this is listed as anonymous. 
because wow. they snuck this in and they show what's going on in essentially the concentration camps yeah. of of the Rohingya. And um, yeah, so you get a nice uh, murder thing going on in Knives, uh, you know, <laughs> like a, a little palate cleanser after. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, but, you know. That's, yeah, they'll need some monkey shoulder after that. <laughs> but, you know, it's a powerful film. And again, yeah. I, I or a powerful piece. I don't know if we get to call it a powerful VR. And that's. Again, the promise. We just say experience. Experience. We're seeing, you know, this is really showcasing, some I have seen, some I have not, but we're showcasing where this medium will can go, will go, is going. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and then, um, you know, there, there's, there's much more in the program, the VR programs, too, people could experience through the website, www.cinequest.org. Thank you. Uh, so that way that we don't spend a whole time talking about VR. <laughs> so if they have their own device, they can they can log in, log into they, the website. There, there's many devices they could use to okay. log into the website. Yes. Well, I mean, no, I mean to VR. get the VR experience. Are we, oh, no, are you downloading? You, it? The, 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 you, you could find out more about the VR programs through uh, the website. I see, I see, so, I see, and I see. you could also purchase tickets to the VR okay. through the website. And because Mike wanted or, to get back to what he knows. To talk about, sure. To, well, know, no, sure. no, no. I just, I just, I just know. I don't know how long it's going to take you to talk to me. So, uh, five more minutes. So what? <laughs> so that monkey us, shoulder ain't going to drink mm, itself. So, well, That's it, true, and, and, but certainly not today. Uh, <laughs> so I, I kind of want some. No, you can't. Damn it, it was mine. I um, gave you a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so let us talk about the program, uh, the regular, the regular, the films, and and I'd like to begin let's by talk, going. Let's talk about your lower program. Uh, <laughs> no, I, to me, you know, this is the this is where more people will get to go. The, the the only downside of VR is that it is it is limited how many people can experience yeah. it at once. I think but we're the, doing thirty at a time or twenty at a time, something like that. And yeah. the films, one we've got screens back, right? You've got three below. Three Below. Which used to be Camera 3 for those who have been around for a while. Hammer Theater. The Hammer Theater and the California. California. And then we're still going to do screenings at Redwood City. So, Oh, okay. So the uh, Downtown 20 up there. So we've got two two locations, essentially. I mean, uh, th- four four different theaters, but really two locations. Because uh, if the California Hammer and the Three Below, you could – I mean, they're th- th- three to five-minute walk from each other. So. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so that those are the locations. And, of course uh, – well, it's good to have a couple back downtown. That's just yeah, the one I'm yeah. saying. You know. Yeah, and um, you know, throughout the program, I mean, we just talked about the VR and a few of the films a little bit, but overall, there's 258 movies and VR, as well as uh, for film screenings alone, about 320 just for the films, and that's outside of the VR. So, so just to sell it for you, that's like 35 cents a movie if you buy one of the uh, exactly one of the high end passes. Exactly. I don't. I don't. I don't know math. No, no. Rick has math skills. I, I don't know math. I made it up. <laughs> He's got a spreadsheet in his of head course, right now. Of course, I, I somebody who buys a pass, I dare them to try to see 300 screenings in one week or two weeks. <clears throat> All right. Challenge accepted. <laughs> okay. Jason Weiner will do it. No, he his his record's like 56. Oh, okay. I don't feel bad at all then. Okay. Yeah. My no, record's no. 10. But, but, you, but you know what he says about us, that we're a drinking festival interrupted by movies. Uh-huh. So. That is not my attitude. <laughs> you could get away with it. You have, you have a bottle of monkey shoulder sitting in front of you. <laughs> That's kind of the sign. Yeah. 
if it were a video video pod, video podcast. Yes. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by <laughs> Monkey Shoulder. Glug, 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 Ding. <laughs> anyway, all right. So the, the movies. So one thing I'm really excited about this year that we've introduced, which is perfect for this, um, is we have a fantasy horror thriller sci-fi competition. I love that you guys put that in. Um, and actually, it's been very successful. We actually, in, in the competition just by itself, there's 14 films. But overall, within the thrill section of the festival, there's 23 different ones. Um, and not, that's not including the VR. So the VR actually adds to that, too. There's probably about 30 then. Uh, but I'm really excited because uh, uh, the, the competition just happens to be the films that are in competition are U.S. or world premieres. Um, outside of the competition, they're typically uh, – they may have shown at a few festivals here mm-hmm. and there. But um, but overall, uh, I know that during the festival we're going to be able to I, – I can't announce it yet, but we're going to be announcing like one of them already has distribution. They just got picked up after we put in the festival and the distributor wanted to see it and they, they bought it. Great. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's really nice. And that's – it's really nice that that's happening because uh, I actually uh, – for the genre competition of the one I just mentioned, uh, we actually the, – the jury is comprised of distributors. And that and I knew that, that was because, well, it sells. The, the genre mm-hmm. the genre films sell. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of really great ones from, I think, uh, 12 different countries just in the competition alone. Including one of my personal favorites, which is uh, called Skull from Indonesia. And uh, it's a pseudo-mockumentary slash sci-fi-ish slash weird kind of experimental – not experimental, uh, weird kind of like a surreal piece. Uh, And uh, it's about uh, these people who find a mile-long human skeleton in the jungle. And what is what? How, where did this come from? Why? What is it? And stuff like that. And you learn over the course of the film until the very end what's ha- you know you learn what's going on. But it's just it's a really weird kind of experience in very sci-fi, but have that sort of mockumentary kind of thing. Is this real? Is it not? And then one of the people uh, who I was talking to actually started looking up to see what they base this on. And there's actually some sort of thing where they found like these weird skeletons in the jungle. And that's what sort of like the, uh, the genesis of the idea, uh, what they weren't a mile long. This no. one's, a, this one's a mile long, but it still was really interesting how they, they piece this together. And we're showing the world premiere of that one. And the filmmakers are coming in from Indonesia for that. So that's so, very cool. Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. And another one of my favorites in that section happens to be a German film called Berlin Falling. Um, not related to the other movies in that falling genres, like right. London falling up. This one happens to be uh, somebody picks up a, uh, a, a a guy going to Berlin, picks up a hitchhiker at a, a, a rest stop slash a gas station. Um, and it turns out that that, uh, that hitchhiker is carrying a bomb to Berlin. And it so becomes this weird kind of road movie with a cat and mouse kind of psychological thriller. And I really enjoyed that a lot. But if but you talked about Twilight Zone earlier, we have a, a Mexican film called Cygnus um, that reminds me a lot of the old uh, Twilight Zones, uh, where um, a guy works in this observatory and essentially uh, hears a signal from space, um, and that signal uh, infects him his mind, and he starts seeing things and hearing things and we're not really sure. So I don't want to say too much about it because you have to no, learn as you go. Good, yeah. 
Um, so those are those are some, some highlights. Uh, but we also have uh, uh, another German thriller called Luna's Revenge about a girl who sees her family uh, murdered in front of her at a, a remote cabin, and then she her her father's best friend. You find out he's in the Russian mob, and and uh, this, along the way he helps her get revenge. Um, what else? We have a uh, horror sci-fi. We have there's tons of stuff in that. Uh, and, uh, it's a it's an impressive lineup of, uh, yeah. of films. It's not several pages in the directory. Yeah, there's uh, in 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 just the film section alone, there are 23 experiences, including the short series, which I know that yeah. um, is always a big thing. We have the animation series, of course, Mindbenders, and. Uh, there's another one that's a, a reality bending one that uh, that I haven't seen much of it, but uh, I know from the shorts shorts programming team that it's really. So, are there yeah. is there an animated shorts program and then animated worlds, or is it just is no, animated, animated worlds? Is the animated is program? The animated yeah. program. Okay. There are animations in other areas, like sometimes before features, sometimes in other shorts programs. But that was the the one that they put mm-hmm. together for that. Because if you you can't put everything in one program a lot of times because it ends up being three hour program so yeah and we you know, we talk about you said one it already has distribution and and this is yeah. something where there's been a lot of success stories coming out of of Cinequest last year's film Prodigy mm-hmm. it got it got distribution I, the producers emailed me a few months ago and said just thought you'd want to know and I was like awesome yeah. that was a great that was a great film Love in the Time of Monsters a few years ago oh yeah uh, great great film and. Hi, Matt. Uh, <laughs> hey, and, and, and might as well, even though it's not in the genre, you might as well like do one of your favorites. Eternity, the movie, uh, of course. <laughs> uh, both, and they actually have the same distributor. Oh, uh, do they? So, okay, I didn't yeah, know that. It's the okay. same blue, same uh, company. As what was, well, what was the film? Where the, house was... on, the House on Pine yes. Street. Yeah, yeah. And, and you said and, Emily's and, coming and, back. Right? Emily's coming back. The lead of House on Pine Street. She's coming back with a new film called Snapshots. That's the one with Piper Laurie. She uh-huh. actually plays the younger version of Piper Laurie. I can see it. I can see it. What was the one where it was made to drain the battery on your phone? The uh, it was a late night, and it, it, your your phone it would interact. Uh, with oh, oh 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 app app just app, right. just app. that was right. a that was a Dutch Dutch film. That one was crazy. Um, and you have the app, and you you actually supposed to watch it with the movie, right? Um, and you do you 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 they send you clues while you're watching it. I just remember my phone died like right after the credits. <laughs> it's like, and then, oh, that's funny. And then the murders began. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> and then the one uh, was it Night Patrol, the clown pyres from last year. Oh yeah, yeah. That um, just got distribution. So yeah, uh, you know, I can't remember the name it. of it off the top of my head. But but I, but I, I do want to say because um, just recently, there, so this was a short film shown four or five years ago called Cargo. Okay, I remember the title. Which was a yeah. was a zombie. Thing. Oh yeah, 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 and it's been picked up for. F- they're making a feature out of it. Oh, really? So okay. this is, uh, you know, to listeners, if it's, if you're in the Bay Area, come to this festival because if you're a genre fan, you're going to find this really these really cool things that you know are yeah. showing up places other than Netflix. And, and we lay it, we lay it out for you in the program guide so you can find things really easily. I mean, it's like you you just go to the uh, uh, the uh, categories section mm-hmm. of the website. Which is www.sinequest.org. Um, well played, sir. And then you you just go to the thrills category, and it and it puts everything in there for all, all the genre stuff right there. So everything's it. available online as far as the catalog of films. Yes, yes. I mean, there's there's nothing there's nothing that is in this printed guide that isn't on. Online. But if you wanted a printed guide, because it is quite lovely. Um, uh, Where could you go? You can you can go to any of the Cinemark theaters in the area. You can go downtown to uh, the the uh, three below. 
you can go to uh, Phil's Coffee. There's some Starbucks that have it. There, I mean, and actually, there is. Now that I think about it, there is on the website a link on the drop-down menu that says where the locations to pick up a guide are. Uh, and, I can't, and I don't remember them all off the top of my head. But that's because, okay. Yeah. You, that's why there's a website that's why so that's that why you don't have to That's remember. why I don't have to remember. Right. Yeah. That's why I have to field these questions from Here, you, would you guys. Like, would you like another shot? Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but also I, I wanted to like mention uh, just uh, closing night too. Um, no. Okay. Okay. Fine. No, go ahead. Which we're doing the world premiere of a documentary on the making of Platoon from the actor's experience on working with Oliver Stone. Is that why John C. McGinley is going to be here? Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so he's going to be here for closing night. And he, according to the filmmakers, he really would like to go to the party after. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. No, we had a request about like, oh, is there a, a, a bar um, uh, budget for the actors? I'm like... Well, we'll take care of them. How about that? <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm there. I'm okay. Yeah, no, no, no. It'll it'll be a fun night. I mean, I I have a feeling. I mean, I I was a big fan of Scrubs, so I you know just him is like I'm I'm already a fan. So. I know that there's more genre stuff he's been into. I'm uh, sure because he's one of those actors for a long time. I don't want to say toiled because that mischaracterizes what being an actor is. But you know that he was in a lot of things where he he's one of those actors that's always good. Maybe not as wildly different from role to role as, say, Nicolas Cage, but he is, uh, you know, he's yeah. just a solid, solid actor. And Scrubs yeah. absolutely was just like, boom, that's it, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, and, and, and you just mentioned Nicolas Cage again. That, that, that's, I mean, that's somebody who's done every genre sci fi, thriller, mm-hmm. drama, comedy, ghostwriter. Ghost. It's its own genre. I, you know, I've never seen it. I've never uh, seen it. No, it's them. There's two. Oh, I've never seen them. I didn't know there were two. There's wow. Ghost Rider and there's Ghost Rider's Spirit he's of Vengeance. Both? Yes, okay. he is John. And the implication is that he survived Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but they've just never brought him on. Apparently he was in The Rock. John yeah. C. McGinley was? Yeah. Or are you going to say Nicolas Cage was? Oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Nicolas Cage was in The Rock. I do remember John C. McGinley in The Rock. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the uh, the guys who was on Ed Harris's team. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, like I say, he's one of those you look around and, yeah. no, suddenly he's there. He was in Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, the animated film. I can't remember which role he played. He seems like a Lex Luthor type. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So an, 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 it's an, exciting. Another another one I'm just going to mention, uh, we have a Chinese film called The Kiss Addict, which is also a sci-fi film about a, uh, a guy who is um, infected with some sort of, like, weird – thing where he's obsessed with kissing um but it's done in a way where it becomes this weird thriller kind of uh what's going on and then he's suddenly in this world where uh almost dr strange-ish where things there's somebody who is influencing everything and makes like the floor fall away and it's like he, it's weird it's like this magical world that he all right into. i'll give it a shot yeah i don't know how to describe it because i like, like dr strange but it's also mixed with all these other weird films too so i just i, I had a lot of fun with it um but you know that uh, throughout the entire thing they're just a lot of different that's why i say go to the website and look at all and read about all of them because we're showing a lot of different things. Did you um, mention the shorts program, Bending Space and Folding Time? That was time? the one that I couldn't remember the title of it, but it was, that was the reality bending one that I was mentioning. Right. 
Um, and that it also, um, what's that shorts program? What? Two? Two. Yes. Two. Yeah, so two, four, and, and five. five are the genre ones. Um, we do have other short series, of course, too, like comedy. and You know, the Mindbenders one is not overselling the term Mindbenders, usually. You guys usually come up with some very, very... And, and when we say you guys, I mean, let's, it's largely Chris Garcia, right? Whose mind is already bent. Chris, Chris, and, Chris and Bill, Maxie. Uh, but All right, Chris, I meant Bill. But, oh. but I don't know, but I don't know which, which of them programs that series, because they, they kind of split things up. Um, it but feels like a Chris thing to do. It probably is, but I'm, I'm sure that Chris does a lot of the comedies and animation, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 they divide up because they they watch something like two thousand movies. So and Chris loves documentaries too. So yeah yeah no I I know Chris is very passionate and, and about and the long walks on the beach. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I just I got a little dreamy for a second. I, I know, and you act as if you didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't always know it. I mean, it's like every I don't see him that often anymore after the twins. Oh, children. Anyway, yes. But Jason Weiner loves it too. Okay, long walks on the beach. <laughs> I think we just killed the momentum. So I, you know, I, you know, there's some great. Jason Weiner doesn't listen to this. The does point, is, no, he doesn't. I, as, as far as I know. But the the point is, there's a lot of great stuff happening here, and it's two weeks of just cinematic madness. And I say that in the best way possible. And it's you know, that's it's it's wonderful. Madness. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. But you know, I, I like to say that they're going to have a really good time coming. Sure, that's because you although know, although 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 your audience it might they might want the madness. No, more. absolutely. It's okay. what, you know, yeah. put on your M vest, people, and come on yeah. down. And Mike's going to pretend he doesn't get Our that reference. Just likes to have a good time. Oh well, they'll, they'll have that. And it's like then, then then let's talk about drinking more. No, <laughs> let's uh, let's say this is a good place to wrap up. Then. Thank you so much, <laughs> Mike, you. for sitting down with us again this year and talking about it. And we're looking forward to this festival as we look forward every year. All right. I will see you guys soon. Thank you. Always a good time. So, uh, a good lunch afterwards. uh, It was a good lunch. We're looking forward to CineQuest and all the opportunities there. I did get his letter to the editor. So, uh, this, and then I will follow by reminding me the way I got to do the, um, follow on to episode 500, searching for vocabulary. Right. But the letter to the editor is we talked about prodigy. About, uh, yes, in the conversation with Mike about how uh, films from CineQuest get distribution deals. And so, amazingly, uh, co-director of Prodigy, Alex Hai, actually wrote me last night and just wanted to let me know, hey, like CineQuest alum from last year. And, of course, I remember him because he was wearing a Rocketeer jacket or a T-shirt. Uh, and we bonded. Jacket would have been really no, then I would have had to mug him. Uh, but I, I, I think it was just a, it was a t-shirt. I'm pretty sure. Maybe he had a jacket. I was just feeling very passive. Uh, anyway, he was writing with some exciting news. You were kind enough to cover our film Prodigy at the festival, and it has now landed a distribution deal and is set for release on March 13th. So we would love for Fanboy Planet to help us get the word out as best we can. There is an iTunes pre-order link, a Facebook post, and a tweet that we can share, which I will once I, you know, I was just cycling through this morning and we are at your disposal. If you have any other ideas. So if there are any other sci-fi horror fantasy colleagues, blogs or sites, you think might be interested, we'd be happy to investigate. 
So I should summarize what Prodigy was about. Yeah. To me, this was a magnificent, because it was shot in black and white, and that's why I felt like, ooh, this is really cool. What I'm drawn to, these extended, like, you almost want to say Twilight Zone-like episodes, but I think I only felt that because it was in black and white. Right. But it certainly fit it, which is that a psychologist is brought in by a former flame to a child psychologist is brought in by a former flame into a government project to work with a little girl. I think she was eight who turns out to have amazing telekinetic powers. And uh, it's a psychological drama with what happens. It's kind of a one room play too. Yeah, if it wasn't for all the special effects, it, yeah. you you well, could, there are scenes that happen outside. But no, no, no. But but, no, no, but, but you're yeah. right. If it weren't for the special effects, yeah, you could see it as a locked room drama. Yeah. A a just a you could do it as a play. Although it, it would be hard it's to imagine just the two characters. It too. would be really hard to imagine the young child actor who could do that eight eight days a week. You know, eight performances a week, twice on Sunday, <laughs> exactly, and twice on Saturday too. I think because they get Mondays oh, off. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, well, they did it for Matilda, and there was telekinesis in that too. But anyway, it's a really but that's a drama. Matilda was a fun musical. Prodigy is a psychological drama, and with an incredible performance by the child actor, whose name is escaping me right now, but that's okay because there's a review on Fanboy Planet. You yeah. can find it, and it was a really cool sci-fi film. I'm really pleased that the the filmmakers have a distribution deal that is coming out. And if there's anybody from other sites that are listening, uh, pick it up as well. You Should know, repost the link to the, uh, Oh, I know I, yeah. I will do that. Yeah. I will do that. I, uh, and I'll also tweet out and I will try. I'll see there. I think there are a few, um, cinema blend would probably be interested in picking this up. It's definitely up there. Alley. We, you know, we were at Bacon with them last year. So, um, I know that there are sites that would be interested. So, yeah, if you're listening, to tell people and and seek this film out because it really is a great film. So on episode 500, so this is an addendum, we were talking about – so we're going to get into comics and this fits. I'm not going to put this as a what's in the bag, but we mentioned the horror A4 because uh, the caricatures that that Rick commissioned of the members of the Fanboy Planet podcast – was done by uh, both Gat- seasons, both both se- both seasons of characters. Oh, oh okay. I guess that both iterations uh, were done by uh, Gaz Gretzky, who uh, Gazbot with two T's, G A Z B O T T dot com. Uh, Gaz is in the process of creating a comic book series. The second issue was kickstarted. I just I'm not going to put it in once in the bag because I'm not sure where you can get it. I got my copy in the mail. I know that there are stores that carry it. I don't think it's in Diamond. So, uh, but what came up was... Pretty sure if you go to gazbot.com, you you can probably order it directly through there. Um, But anyway, we were talking about how it's a kaiju book. And I said, but it also involves the giant heroes. And I could not remember what the word is. And it's always been Gaz who tells me what it is. And sure enough, in this issue, the second issue of the Horror A4, the inside front cover says it's a kaiju and kyodai that's heroes once roam the earth and so kyodai is the word for the giant heroes that for whatever reason japan does really well and americans just 
we just like the Japanese yeah. the Kyodai. So, um, and if you look if you look at our caricatures and go, well, that doesn't look like a comic I'd want to read. By by virtue of the caricatures of Derek and oh, I. Oh no no I I this, wouldn't want to read the Adventures of Me. I'm no, bored no, by me. The 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 art in his actual book is much much more um, evocative. I think it's a it's like the best of Eastman and Laird in the. You know I was trying to put in. I think this is a great for this is a, turtles. A, it's a little cleaner than the Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles. Yes, were, but it's originally. black and white book. But it is it is very very lush and 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 it's a it's a labor of love. Yeah, and uh, so I'm very happy. And that you can go to it's you, up. you can find uh, Gaz's uh, YouTube site where he does oh, he does he often does video a day things and he does drawings. He will show you how he puts his drawings together in Photoshop. He does uh, long videos, so he's really worth following on, on YouTube. And this does remind, you know, I, I've, this is, I had an, another interesting, uh, to me anyway, conversation this week. So a friend of the family who is in his 70s and is an author, uh, he has a couple of books published, and I'm sorry that I'm completely blanking on it, but I don't want to na- name him right now because of the nature of my question. He has written a science fiction book, which is about to be published. He had another outline for something, and there was a collaborator who said, that he was working with, collaborator, you know, <clears throat> who said, you know, this would make a great graphic novel. And I said, oh, well, you know, that's that's really hot. You know, that's the, the hot way to go. And, you know, especially if you want to, if you want Hollywood interest and he said, well, are they more sophisticated than when I, the last time I read a comic book? And I said, when did you last read a comic book? And he said, when I was a kid. So we're talking 50s and 60s. Right. So, you know, we all often say, I grabbed off my off the shelf the Wonderful Wizard of Oz because it's just what I had happen- out, out in the living room. I had the Wonderful Wizard of Oz with uh, Eric Shanauer writing that Marvel did right. with Scotty Young doing the art. Mm-hmm. So I said, this is pretty out there. And then I grabbed that Hellraisers, which I had recommended a, a couple years ago, the one that is the biography of Oliver Reed, Peter O'Toole, Richard Burton, mm. and who's the fourth one? Uh, Richard Harris. And so, you know, two very different because I thought, well, if what you're thinking is like Archie and right. Superman, of, of uh, you know, from the 50s, it's very different than what's going on now. And I don't I'm – not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot and I'm not really coming up in my own head what would be good. But I want to put out to readers uh, – to, to readers. Well, yes, to readers. That's very important. But to listeners, what would you give to someone who hasn't picked up a comic and let us say – 60 years. What would be the one? Because, I, I, you know, the go-to is always like, well, read Watchmen. No. Yeah. Because you, you do no. want to prove the sophistication, but you don't want to give them something that requires a knowledge of what's been going, what was going on in comics. You know what I'd give them? Strangers in Paradise. Okay, that's an interesting one. That's because a- it's contemporary. It's not anything where they're going to – it's not sci-fi or any, any – you know, magic or anything it's just people mm-hmm. but it would give them a good well, sense and we of, used to and we used to talk about fables yeah but I'm, I'm just again thinking for someone again who just really has not looked at it as a genre now this guy is a sci-fi his first two novels i don't think were science fiction but uh but he is when i was a kid 
we bonded a lot because we share fantasy and sci-fi novels back and forth and recommend. And I, I did junior theater with his son. And so even though he's familiar with the genre, if he's asking for this sophistication, strangers right. in paradise would be good that, you know, that's, that, that's interesting. And I'm just thinking other people, you know, throw out there. I don't think necessarily genre stuff yeah. like by throwing Hellraisers at him, it, it hurt. It was a heavy book, but you know, that, that by showing him that it's like, look, Right when we were, I wish I could have like run back into in the, in the back room and gotten March because I was thinking right. about that approval of like look yeah. what it can do. You know, it's just I just want to throw that it's time to we always like say we talk about the the superhero books or the 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 popular stuff. It's like what is that kind of unique one that would be an entryway for someone who just wants the sophistication of it. Yeah, I think when you think 50 years ago, 50, 60 years ago, uh, a lot of comics were very much inspired by detective stories and the kind of inner monologue of the hero. And they had, that's where we got the thought bubbles in, in comic books. And there were a lot of thought bubbles back then. Um, but even when there's somebody's speaking dialogue, they could be thinking something else entirely, subtext and stuff. And we've lost all that. I mean, nobody, you know, very few books have. have it's kind of, I think it's Bendis that broke it. Bendis did break it, and um, and it's state, and people just went, oh, yeah, that was kind of ridiculous anyway. Oh, and why I again want to say, for those reading Doomsday Clock, if DC really wants to prove that they um, have a commitment to their heritage, reprint those Nathaniel, I'm saying it again, reprint those Nathaniel D- Dusk miniseries. There were two. Mm, yeah. With... Uh, I think it's Don. Is it Don McGregor who wrote that? Um, no, uh, but I know the art was Gene Colan, and they were, you know, they were great noir books done in the '80s. But exactly as you say, you know, going to those detective fiction of the '40s and '50s. Yeah. Why it's going to be crucial to Doomsday Clock? But you know, that's DC's got a, a, a rich legacy of stuff that is yep. different. You know, and uh, so I, I would just be fascinated to see that. So. All right, that's that's what I was going to say about comics there. Uh, just a kind of a question out there. Write into editor at fanboyplanet.com if you have a suggestion. And I'm always open to like, oh, it was just off the beaten path that maybe I haven't found. There's a, there's there is so much. You know, that's the other thing too that's great about comics now is to is to say when that there was a time when I felt like you could be on on top of everything. You knew what everything mm-hmm. was, and you just can't now as people complain about sales being down it's like yeah because there's just so so much and that's what we do what's in the bag to hopefully guide people a little bit towards what there is and to enjoy and we have a special introduction to what's in the bag today yes i'm so thank you because i I put my copy of a4 on top of it top of uh this is this is not necessarily a recommendation only because i haven't read it yet but but an observation we talked about uh, how uh, I think it was like a throwaway a few weeks ago where we said, you know, that Marvel house, house ads were talking about this new miniseries, Doctor Strange Damnation. And I'd seen a blurb that said, you know, in the South, that's going to be problematic because you can't really sell hell in the Bible Belt. Well, you can, uh, but it's fear of. Yeah. So Rick and I both, independently, because we go to two different stores. I shop at Elusive Comics and Games in Santa Clara. Rick shops at Hijinks Comics in San Jose, Willow Glen. Willow Glen. Willow Glen. Uh, both great, great stores. And in my box, 
uh, my, in my pool, they gave me the copy. Well, you got a variant. I got so, a variant. So we have identical got, covers, but I, for I, one, but for I got the original, the original cover, which is yes. doc, uh, which is Doctor Strange, hands aglow, and you got a number of what I'd say were be Defender and other. You got Moon Knight. You got um, oh, what's the group? Looks uh, like Spirits Blade, of looks Vengeance. Like Blade. Well, except for the Midnight ex- Suns. Except for Iron Fist, is he? part of that no he's part of the defenders but yeah. uh, but, so, I, but ghost it, rider moon knight one of the phases of moon knight uh the statue of liberty and uh, uh who is now a hero in the marvel <laughs> universe is that what you're saying apparently and i i, I I'm, I'm assuming that's blade on the far left oh yes that's yeah. Blade. So, I, and i'm also going to assume it's mephisto in the back it uh, looks uh, like mephisto it could also be nightmare i thought that too so yeah. i i don't know so we know nothing about this series right other than we bought it because it, and up it's at the top Donny it says, Cates and Nick Spencer. In Gothic, in the Gothic script says Doctor Strange, and then it says Damnation with all the letters kind of like on fire on the and top. And then, by the way, I was right. So the group is the new Midnight Suns. So oh, okay. I don't know if Iron Fist is part of that because I haven't read Guess Midnight Suns yet. Yeah. Midnight Suns yet. But, yes, yeah, so you have that copy. It says That's, Doctor got, Strange, I Damnation. standard cover. Now, mine uh, has the variant edition number one, so – that's that's one variation, but over the D A M is a little banner that says Tar Nation. It actually looks like a piece of tape that somebody yes. stuck there and then wrote Tar. So Doctor, well, in Comic Sans, bold. Uh, no, it's not in the con. That's not Comic yeah. Sans. But uh, anyway, yes, that it's Doctor Strange Tar Nation. And frankly, I will never refer to this book by <laughs> any other title. Now it is Doctor Strange. Will appreciate that. It is Doctor Strange Tar Nation. Well, yeah, you. I, you tried to get him to swear over the weekend, and he was not having it. I my boy's a good boy, and I you, tested. sir, you weren't testing. You just you you know I, you I, are Satan. I said I would I would pay to hear him say blank millennials, but yeah, he would not say it because I wanted him to sound like an old man. You know, and I thought that was the funny part, not that he'd be saying swearing or anything. right, but he does, he will not swear, I, and, so, and I didn't push him after that. He scared me. He should have. Uh, when his eyes start glowing like that, it's, it's yes. a creepy. <laughs> you tell me about it. Uh, so anyway, what's in the bag, Rick? I'm going to go with the book that I've got second underneath mine. And actually, I, I picked this up because I could – oh, you've got it too. Sorry. That's all right. I've got other things. You got okay, I've got good. other things. Good, good, good. Um, <laughs> when I looked at this cover quickly, this was not on my pull list. But it's Brave, The Brave and the Bold. It's issue one of a six-issue miniseries that apparently Brave and the Bold is going to be Batman and Wonder Woman. Um, when I looked at this really quickly and when I actually grabbed it and took, and took put it on my stack, I could have sworn it was Batman, Wonder Woman, and Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. But it's actually a the God of Fertility, um, mm-hmm. uh, the Celt- Celtic uh, God of Fertility, uh, standing on the, on the, on the uh, front cover with them. Um, did you read this? Do you haven't had a chance to read no, this? No, I, I, I have not, but I, I've been following for a while because this is written and drawn by Liam Sharp. Yes. Who uh, I've been friends with for a long time. I, maybe that's too strong. Acquaintances with, but he has been kind. And uh, we, you know, when he first got hired on to draw Wonder Woman with the rebirth launch, um, I knew you know he was going to be become this iconic artist that he should have. And he's been knocking around doing fantastic work, of course, for Madefire as well, for like 20 years. Yeah. Maybe longer. 
This uh, is yeah. the art's great inside of it. I I, I read through a quick thing. I'm going to give it another read tonight. Um, the it's it starts off with a you know a mythological histor- historical scene and stuff, and then it switches. And I'm only going this far because this is a book. If you're if you got kids, uh, don't give this to them. Don't give this one to them because on page four and five you get into uh, pillow talk between Diana and um, Steve Trevor. And there are no few number of sexual innuendos and references uh, because while they're there in the bedroom, they are visited by this giant hulking Cernumos Serac, Lord of Fertility and the Hunt, Distant Covenant. Anyway. But he's Lord of Fertility. This is really cute to hear a Brett Schneider try to speak Celtic. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. So, so they, so they, <laughs> and they get back to that that joke again. There's another another kind of risque uh, reference and joke in here too. So if if you're not comfortable with your kids uh, being aware of the sexuality of Wonder Woman, this is not a book for you. But for me, I'm looking forward to reading this. Well, he's been tweeting panels, yeah, for weeks, ah. and it. So I just speak to the art. You know, without lettering or anything, it's just like it's beautiful. This is a beautiful book, and yeah. and and I like the logo too. The one, logo, oh yeah, he the did take a, on the Brave and the Bold logo. That, that's is really, really good. great. And again, pick it up, people, because Liam is you know the overnight success, I guess, in that stereotypical way of no, it was twenty years, but he's a superstar, superstar artist, and I'm. What was the the Captain Stone? Was that the book for? Uh, that Captain he did. Stone came out of uh, heavy metal. Uh, for, no, made made fire. No, that's Captain Stern. Stern. Um, the this, oh uh, the, the made fire book that yes. is also really lush. Yes, um, purple outfit. Yeah. So uh, I I read it years ago, and so I'm I'm kind of blanking on it. But you know, he's a good writer. He's a fantastic artist, and also a great human being. So you know, you can say that about a lot of people in comics, which is the great thing about comics, but it, but it really is true. Liam is so so warm, kind, and deserves every drop of success he gets through DC. And I I mean that. So this is great. I was I was very excited to see Brave and the Bull. I I lost track that this was the week it was going to come out, and uh. then I saw it and it was like, ah, you know. Um so I'm going to put uh first on my stack is this actually uh, was released yesterday in the paperbacks in stores today. It is the first half of the Doctor Who. This is my Gallifrey One tribute uh, of the latest crossover, The Lost Dimension, mm. which is on the cover. You you have 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th Doctors, but they sneak everybody else okay. in. And they were talking about it at the panel on, on Saturday, how there's like, oh, I just go, well, can we use this? And they're just, just little things. Um, and it's a, f- it's a nice cover. Is that a drawing or is that a photo? No, this montage? is a photograph, but this is, yeah. yeah. So I, I bought the hardcover from Titan and then the, you know, which did you buy it at Gallifrey? I bought it at Gallifrey. They were doing some amazing deals at that. that <laughs> they, booth. Their booth was Empty. We went back on right, Sunday. Right. On afternoon. Sunday, there were like five books on the table. Last year, this was not the case, you yeah. know, and, and yeah, yeah. So they were doing. I, I bought a couple of things from them, and uh, I'll be honest that at the panel, I don't know if you would attended that panel that they I gave. Did not. They gave a discount code. Uh, so if you went up and said, uh, "Do you have issues?" and tug your left ear, <laughs> you could get two for one. 
Yeah, don't write that down, folks. It's too late. Now. It's too late. It's too late. So I'm free to say it, you know, yeah, because yeah. it was. Uh, they were they were trying to say like you know it's like we know stories, I, I, which I think we have stories is a big finishes thing, and so right, right. Chris Thompson had said last year, well, I guess we we have issues. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I picked that up and. It is fun. And I was thinking, you know, Doctor Who crossover events are to me like Crisis on Infinite, you know, or whatever. Sure. With those Justice League JSA crossovers, except as I always joke, is Doctor Who is he's crossing over with himself, and that is brilliant. He's yes. like his own self-contained universe containing multiple. And they never mentioned the prior crossovers. Remember when we teamed up before? No, because they can't. Right. They can't remember. That's the clever thing. And, and I don't know. Because I've seen the two doctors. I've never watched yeah. the five doctors. Oh, okay. That's the one where the, the one of the previous doctors had already died, so he's just on, right. Well, William Hartnell. William Hartnell was recast for the first time, right. and then you know David Bradley, who by the way has a whole series of big Finnish audio dramas yep. now as the first doctor. But what I can't remember is if in the two doctors they had established this or if Stephen Moffat is the one who came up with it that they cannot remember I think it's just Moffat because back in the days of the two doctors nobody was really <laughs> there was nobody trying to track continuity. well you know, it was two and six you know right. and so and then the five doctors is one through five right but yeah I mean I know well yeah they should have been tracking continuity but I, I love that Moffat fixes those plot holes but it was very clearly established in that in the time of the doctor the Day of the Doctor. The Day of the Doctor is the one with McGann. Uh, starts with uh, McGann. McGann. Okay, so the Day of the Day, right? Because it starts with the Night of the Doctor is McGann's right. episode, and then Day of the Doctor. So in the Day of the Doctor, they establish that there's some kind of weird time thing that happens. Is when they part, they forget, which is why nine, ten, and eleven could still carry the guilt of the Time War, even though they'd actually saved Gallifrey, but they couldn't rem- remember that they had. So that's what happens in these is they go, oh, they meet up, they go, boom, and then it will all fade away. Because they've done a couple of different – there's the supremacy of the Cybermen. But I just like this. And what's the retail price on that? Uh, the hardcover is twenty five dollars I don't know what the paperback is. Yeah. Um, I just like – I just like having the hardcovers. And I, you know, I posted, like, I love the BBC Books novels, too, because they remind me of getting Whitman novels when I was a kid. Or Hardy Boy Books, too, really, the hardcovers. You know, and uh, I'm going to put this out there again. Hey, listeners, does anybody know who has the rights to Whitman's or Western Publishing's uh, material? Because what I really want is, get, I, I'm putting it out, I want a Doctor Who big little book. Okay. And it has to be called Big Little Book. I want somebody to be publishing Big Little Books and licensing things like Doctor Who and Star Trek. And I would Were there love- British Big Little Books? Or they'd be great grand tiny books or something. They, well, you know, I, I don't, you know, that's interesting because I, I have a pretty decent sized collection of Big Little Books from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh-huh. And. They're all American, so I don't know what yeah. they did. You know, my, my holy grail out of that is that Fawcett did compete, and they called them dime action books. Uh-huh. And I've never actually seen one. I know that, that Captain Marvel exists. I know there was a Spy Smasher dime action book, but I have never seen one, in, you know, at an sh- antique show or at a collector's fair or anything. So. Right. But I know that what they had, they did have like the shadow. They had Green Hornet. Um, actually, Lee from Lee's Comics was saying he had just gotten, uh, he got a collection that included Maximo, 
The Amazing Superman. They created their own knockoff uh-huh. for Big Little Books only. And there's been actually a lot of evidence done that Bob Kane's first year on Batman was swiped from Big Little Books because there were detective stories that, for those who don't know the form, one page of text and then a single panel picture right for the most part there were also all pictures comics i have one of those where it's just it is a comic book basically in big little book form one panel per page uh but a lot of i saw an article like 15 years ago that showed panels from the first batman story and it was detective x27 or something like that uh secret agent x1 i it's not something that does not exist anymore people don't know but that it was like yeah that panel is traced from this big uh-huh. little book that I know was like 1936. So it was before, you know, so it's just kind of interesting. There's a wealth of great content. Um, John Carter, the last John Carter book actually first appeared as a big little book. Really? And then they, and the first half of it. Yeah. The skeleton men of Jupiter. Isn't uh, skeleton men of Jupiter is a separate story, but it's Lana of Gal- the, the last, the last book is made up of two, Stories. Right. One is the latter one is unfinished. It was the skeleton man of Junior, Junior Ju- Jupiter and, because right. Um, that Bur- was not the the first Burroughs story. Was already bringing the stories together because the, the first story was a big little book called John Carter of Mars before it was published as the novel. Okay. So I've seen that once. There's also one Oz big little book the laughing dragon of oz which anyway i veered off into wanting my big little books but that but there are some classic stories that i would like to see there's a lot of flash gordon buck rogers that only appeared in that way so anyway back to you what's next on your stack next on my stack is actually jerk oh did you (laughs) do you have that (laughs) okay i'll skip i'll skip that one i'll do i have i have a backup no no i'll go to this actually i'm gonna have to I'll, I'll do this one. <laughs> so I was two for, I'm not going to go two for two on you. So um, I don't know if you're reading the latest. Uh, I'm reading that in trade in Trinity of Trinity. I have I've you know I bought a lot of the last visitation of the Trinity and that I just didn't finish. I, I yeah. probably socked away twelve to fifteen books that I just hadn't read because yeah. it was far past when I was interested in the storyline. And I this one I didn't start until uh, this week. And what what uh, I have to say, the story that I'm referencing actually starts in Trinity issue number seventeen. No home. For, so last month's no home for you here, which is yeah the last one. And it's Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman: The Trinity. Uh, Strangers in a Savage World, which if you're a DC fan who goes back to the 70s, you probably realize that the Savage World means that Travis Morgan is going to show up. Scarteris. The Warlord. Uh, Scarteris is kind of, maybe it's at the center of the Earth, but probably the Earth has a dimensional portal to a, to a world where yeah, I don't know how are. it works in Rebirth, but yeah. I, they did officially make it a, an extra dimensional portal. Right, right. Uh, originally, his his he was over Antarctica and his plane went down and it crashed through mm-hmm. a set of caves or something. And oh, he well, it up, was Mike Grell's Pellucidar yeah. riff. You know. And Grell, I, I, I went back and looked. Grell did like 80 issues of that book. A long run for, for Mike Grell. I, I can't think. He did a lot of issues of Green Lantern too, but I don't think his run on Green Lantern was that long. No. Um, 
what's beautiful about this book, and I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but at the beginning of this book, uh, Travis Morgan, the the warlord, actually shows up in the last panel of issue 17. Of course. Um, and at the beginning of this, it's all three of the heroes talking about that moment when Travis is standing above them, hands on hip, big feathered helmet, and loincloth and swords and stuff, and. So Diana's uh, talking about uh, you know fighting all the things in Skataris and and Superman's talking. Well, he's a really impressive guy, you know. He's standing there, and, and Batman says, "I thought he looked ridiculous." So and then you go back into the story. you know what looked ridiculous his Remco action figure. Oh yeah, because it was done like He Man. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I can't bend my arms and legs. <laughs> They're stiff. No one it's I'm not jointed because that's the way it is. And that's another Anyway, uh, so yeah. I I've I've always had a soft spot in my my uh, heart for the uh the you should get that looked at. The Warlord and uh Skataris and Travis Morgan and specifically Mike Grell and I think who drew him after Grell? I have no I, idea. I'm, I'm, Probably I'm, Rich Buckler. Yeah. I get this feeling that I know I saw some. You know, I, the, the, because honestly, I I read, a, when I was a kid, read some of the early stuff because I liked Mike Grell a lot. Yeah. But it didn't hold me so much. Be, and, and partially because I think when it first came out, I wasn't going to comic shops. So it was if I saw an issue, I'd pick it up. But I didn't didn't have regular so i you know it it went on longer than i thought it did yeah and i can remember seeing like oh is this but it wasn't mike grell so that didn't interest me like why did anybody bother yeah even as a kid it struck me as this is such a i I don't know if i would have said a personal book but it was to me so much like well you know like let's say flash gordon even as a little kid i knew that was alex raymond you know and what's the point i mean i know many people carried on after him really well but to me it was like well alex raymond's that's the run you know that's yeah. the flash yeah movie. uh be remiss in not mentioning that this is written by james robinson uh, no well they're a friend of the are. podcast uh drinking buddy of the podcast but let's not lean so heavily on the drinking buddies part you know well, it was years uh, ago yeah, but I'm just saying you're making us sound with the Cinequest piece too. It makes it sound like we spend two hours a day sober. And I haven't had anything true. to drink today, and you haven't either. Uh, no, I have not. Uh, so there we go. Because <clears throat> we don't know what day of the week it is and what's going on. So Trinity, don't say anything. Trinity issue eighteen. Yes. Uh, so there, we, and, and I just appreciate that book because if you are somebody who just you know as a lot of people are, they just want Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Yeah, there it is. It's kind of cool. I like the interactions. So my next one. All right, since you know this was this is uh, this book apparently is already being sold on eBay for like fifteen yes. bucks. Yes, this is Amazing Spider Man seven ninety six. Uh, threat level red. It's the storyline that leads into, into the Red Goblin. Which is uh, issue 800. Right. And uh, so the reason this is a big, a big deal is because everybody thinks this is the first appearance of but the Red Goblin. Not. But it's not. It's next issue. Right. So I do, however, love the cover. The cover is awesome. This is the last run of Dan Slott and Christus Gage. Which gr- itself would be a great title. <laughs> the last run of Daniel Slott. Yes. Um, so this is Magnum. And, you know, it, we've said this before when we recommend Spider-Man is – Every time Dan Slott does some twists and some swerve, people go, what? This is crazy. And yet, 
has he ever steered us wrong? He has constantly reinvented this this book. Yeah. He is constantly making Spider-Man something new and readable and fresh. And so pick it up. Although Don't I, pick it up for 15 bucks, but pick it up for yeah, 3.99. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like uh at Hijinx, it was limited to one per customer. And they had a guy who had come in earlier and tried to buy like 10 of them and they wouldn't let him and he was really huffy. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but well, obviously just somebody speculating, right? Oh yeah, you can tell. Like yeah. you know, it's, it's like when Doomsday Clock came out, and it was like I walked into Elusive, and there's a guy who clearly had not walked into a comic book right. store, but you know, can we help you? And he's looking for Doomsday Clock, and it's like you don't know how the new bookshelf, you know, the new yeah. books work. It's just you're there because, but it's all these. Uh, there are people who are just. Um, they just go out and they buy up everything. It's like when the Super, when the Nintendo, the NES Classic came out and it was supposed to sell for like 50, 60 bucks. But people just bought up everything off the shelves and sold it for $200. Flippers ruin everything. Yeah, they're just like, should be a, should be a law. Um, yeah. Yeah. They should only, especially because we, we in particular, live in the Silicon Valley, which is like, as Steve Wozniak is absolutely right, we are ground zero for nerds. And it was like if you collected action figures in the 90s, it was so hard, you know, that that now late lamented uh, Winchester Toys R Us. Yes. How on Saturday mornings, you'd have to get in line two hours before it opened to get a shot at because the you action had all figure the guys you're looking for who hadn't you know. bathed who were there to I'm not going to I am not going to cast aspersions that, upon them I was in those lines too many times with people who you know all right I bathed I know that no. uh, but uh, but it was you know and it's just the hobbies are great and and I am going to say this is uh, to me a rare I'm I'm going to also throw out that I am I I heard something at the store today that bothers me about a publisher that I love Boom Studios, and it bothers me. This is a misstep on Boom's part, uh, or that there's a special issue of Power Rangers coming up. Okay. And they're polybagging it so that you cannot see which cover you are, you're getting. Oh. There are six variant covers, uh-huh. and the assumption is that if you buy six, that they should be all boxed correctly. So if you wanted all six covers, you could buy a stack of six, and you would... As long as they came in order in the box. And I think, um, one, I'm not a fan of variant covers. It's no. funny that I got Doctor Strange Tarnation. But I only buy a variant cover if it actually appeals to me from the composition, art, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, there's like Action Comics 1000. I put in, I said, order me the Steve Rude just because he's my favorite artist. And then I saw uh, last night Mike Allred's cover for it. And I was like, dang, that was a good one. Yeah. You know, different artists for each decade. But, but... I'm I'm just not a fan of it because look we've already been bled dry enough. It's oh yeah, and if you're a fan of Power Rangers and which is fine, I'm not, but okay. Yeah, I don't like fans getting taken advantage of in the, in this way. And if if they if they just made the bag clear, yes, okay, that's all I ask is don't don't make it a blind box. This stuff is too expensive, yeah. and it's it's. Blind boxes, there, there's a place for blind boxes, and that's with 
that's there is no place for blind boxes. No, I'm not a fan of blind no, boxes they, either. But I was going to try and excuse them for like little figures and stuff, the little tiny ones that cost a quarter or whatever. But you know, I don't think. But even those, they don't cost a quarter. Yeah, they nothing cost like, costs a quarter they cost anymore. A buck and a quarter. Oh, we're so old. Um, but yeah, you put they, a nickel in the gumball machine and but you get again, a, it, it spoils it for people who are just there to enjoy the product. And again, I want to say it's a rare misstep because because. I love Boom Studios. I love yeah. everybody there. I love the books. And I just, I was bothered to find that out today. And maybe I misunderstood. So I'm not trying Hopefully. to be like, you know, I, or maybe they can, they will still change it. But if you are counting on, okay, I'm going to rip on Diamond. If you are counting on Diamond packing your store's order correctly, in that theory <laughs> of the stacks of six right. are going right, to work, right. come on. Yeah. Come on, you know that's not going to happen. Yeah. So um, another number three, uh, another third. You know, yeah, yeah. You know. Oh, it's the it's the rare. Uh, I don't know. I'm because I, I don't want to rip on any artist either. But uh, anyway, so next to you, my last book is Infinity Countdown Prime Number One, and you know, I I talked about the Adam Warlock one last week and uh, the. I have to say, the, this that book worked for me for a number of reasons. This book works for me for even more reasons. Um, first off, you've got uh, Diodato's art in this, and the art, his art style, which I think we've, I think he's done sequences in Old Man Logan, um, and he is kind of a nostalgic. I was trying to figure out why does this look so nostalgic, and the thing is, he's using a lot of the old style screens for shading. Zipatone, Zipatone stuff, like you see in there, and you know, you uh, these pages aren't as indicative, but there are. There's definitely um, a lot of hashing, and you can see it in the trees, hatching. trees yeah, there yeah. behind Loki and stuff. Mm. You know, so I, I skipped this, and only because I'm so behind, I figured you don't, it'll show up on Marvel Comics Unlimited. It probably will. But this, I'm going to give you a couple reasons why this book is, if you're at all interested in in the Infinity Countdown or the Infinity Stones themselves, it's kind of an interesting take on it, because we've had we've had Infinity Stone stories before, but this one's starting to look like it's much more thought out than it was. So first off, you start off with a page that explains how the Infinity Stones work, and the fact that stones affect other stones. And there's actually there's actually a circuit diagram on this page showing you. And if you look at it, you see it looks like a a, a pattern, an eight pattern, figure eight. But if you turn it sideways, it's the infinity symbol. Although that Clever. although that diagram really would work as a circle as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but each stone in, is affected by and in turn affects other stones. So you you get the idea as to why when they're all connected, the 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 user has infinite power. Um, and then probably the most interesting thing in this, I'm not going to spoil the surprise because it was really quite a cool surprise when it happened. Um, and that is that, uh, it starts with, we, we've all been seeing the Wolverine cutscenes in various Marvel books. It's like a after credits trailer kind of thing going on, but, um, I'm going to, I'm going to let you turn the page on this one. So you can just you don't have to read it. So you can see Wolverine's in a fight scene, and then he's he's caught up by one of the one of the villains. Now turn the page and see what happens. 
he disappears. Teleport. Yeah. So no, he's, he's bamfing. Right. Um, that that sequence explains how he's been in all of the other books because he's just been teleporting into the other books because he's got the space stone. Well, actually, you I know, it, it really explains the last twenty years of appearances for Wolverine. <laughs> he, he probably found it in himself. And one morning, he was past a stone, and it was the space stone. Yeah. Yes. All right. So my next book. So it's Infinity Countdown Prime number one. My next book is uh, is the latest Milk Wars. Uh, because it's, you know, I'm on a Swamp Thing roll. I'm going to oh, yeah. say, because we've had, we had a great I, book. I saw that cover. It looked really interesting. Swamp Thing and Cave Carson. I refuse to say the full title of the Cave Carson, but it still includes Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. It, it actually, the book has changed. His, he's got some other kind of eye now. But anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're but, showing older covers there. Yeah, but it's, uh, but it is, um, oh, it's an interstellar eye. Yes. They're rebooting. It. Milk Wars is doing kind of a, what is it? young animal reboot and and which is just crisis on a, on young animal yeah but i appreciate that it's a short crossover yeah and really it's just long enough to get you give you a taste of every one of the young animal books and i just uh recently thanks to the app hoopla uh ca- caught up on on the first six issues of gerard way's doom patrol and actually liked it Re, you know, reading it in one sitting and getting through everything, but Milk Wars made me uh, want to do that to go back. Like I had the I had a few of the issues and and read them and went oh, okay, but I reread and went yeah, it all it flows really well together and feels very the way Grant Morrison had established them. You know, a, a, a nice continuation without being the same. And so Milk Wars is is interesting, and I like Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. It's been uh, kind of a cool book. Yeah. So to combine Cave Carson with Swamp Thing is uh, is great stuff. So there we go. And let so us. The title of this book is Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye slash Swamp Thing special number one. Right. They are, but but it's also Milk Wars part four. Right. So. <laughs> They do math like I do. <laughs> That's all I can say. Because there was a Batman Mother Panic. Or no, it wasn't Batman. Oh, uh, I can't remember who. Maybe it is Batman that meets Mother Panic. Last week's was sold out before I could get it. So I'm hoping it's reordered and I can't remember who, what it is. Uh, but it's Shade the Changing Woman and I don't remember which character. But uh, so it, they're interesting combinations. Love it. So let, let us talk before we leave for the day to talk about uh, Black Panther as we promised that uh, it is time we've seen it everyone's seen it set records sure at the box like office that, yeah. it does yeah. I, at least you know my feed on Facebook is just full of everybody saying blah 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 and I there are things I still want to say I don't want to spoil because there were a couple of things in the film that when they happened I went what a delightful surprise I mean I probably do I talk like that to myself in a movie theater alone? Probably. Probably. Yeah, but it, it was just like, oh, fun. And I don't, I didn't want a reviewer to say it. And then I saw somebody else post and, and say two words. And I was like, come on. It's meant to be a surprise. It's a fun surprise. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it has its fun surprises, but it is also, as I've been saying over and over, uh, the first Marvel movie that is really about something bigger than being a Marvel movie and about talking about some something serious in the real world. Doing, as I was saying at Gallifrey One, 
you know, what science fiction should do, which is give us a platform. I shouldn't say science fiction should do it. it Great science fiction does yeah. give us a platform to talk about real world issues, but in a very fictional way. To examine them from a, from different angles that yeah. you wouldn't normally if you were invested in that specific uh, set of instances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the I think the film has... I don't think it's just like one issue either. I think there's it looks at world situations from a number of different. There are a lot of great, um, you know, situations. The the idea of separatism uh, versus involvement in the world as a as a full, not geopolitical but a human mm-hmm. thing to be thinking about. You know that that we there's there should be more that unites us than divides us. Um, that may have been a line from the movie, actually. Uh, I think there was. Yeah. So that uh, leaders build bridges, not walls. Yes, that was that was a little bit on the nose. I but, uh, I bled. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So I mean, that's that's one aspect of it. The costuming was over the top, just so imaginative and wonderful. Every I could go through and watch that movie without any sound. It was just there's so many things to mm-hmm. look at and. The way that they they decided the city worked, you know, yeah. Um, uh, you can just gush on that that so much. Well, and a good, uh, you know, a, a good portrayal of Claw. Yes, a good portrayal of of Killmonger. A great portrayal of Killmonger. I would not. Have, I did not particularly care for Killmonger in the books originally. I was annoyed by that plot. By that plot line, I think there were just things about why he mm-hmm. was able to just kind of step in like that bothered me at the time. But it it was yeah, – I didn't have any of that reaction this time. Yeah. I, I It was just really well done. On one level, yes, sure. A by-the-numbers superhero movie. We've got some pretty good numbers with those. They're yeah. fun. You know, it is popcorn entertainment and yet there is a depth and there is a resonance. And – and there is something that just in general it is we we intimated this was going to happen on episode 500 you know that it, it is suddenly changing the way a lot of people look at um and maybe that's the, the wrong way to say it there are a whole bunch of children now who are going to grow up with a completely different view of what they can be i can remember going when i was at the press conference for guardians of the galaxy and Jamon Honsu said that his son said he could not be a superhero because he was black. Mm. And I might not have quoted that word for word, but that was definitely the thing that Jamon Honsu says, like why he wanted to be in Guardians of the Galaxy was so that he could prove, no, you know, that you could, even though his character ended up not really being a hero. But the fact now is, and yes, there was Blade. But you're not going to show that to your six-year-old. No. Yes, there was Spawn. You're not going to show that to your six-year-old. And Steel, you're not going to show that to anybody, anybody for yeah. God's sake, if you have any sense of decency, sir. It's It was just – And the superhero isn't just the Black Panther. And that's what it was, the whole dang team. The whole team. supporting cast of and amazing Shuri, characters. And, and the other thing, Shuri, the, the cue to his James Bond, because at least the first half of that movie oh, was definitely. a James Bond movie. Definitely. That the, the Q, Shuri, is so much better than Q ever was and so smart. And that's a 16-year-old girl. And how many kids are going to see that and go, oh, 
Yeah. Hey, this is cool. You know, aside from the fact that she had impeccable fashion sense. <laughs> well, that too. But you know, it was it was irreverent. It was it was just a great great film. Now the question we throw out because I, I was asked, uh, I think it was Troy Benson actually texted me and said, "Okay, now that you've done Claw and Killmonger, what do you do for Black Panther two? Because you took the two best known. Oh, and I'm sorry, and uh, Man Ape." Because Man Ape was right. taken off the board as a villain. I love that they alluded to him as the Man Ape, but did not make right. it as prob- right. as as they said early on. Well, was, as the problematic. whole tribe it was it was ape themed, so it wasn't like he's Well and, and as they are, you know, yeah. the, the 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 white gorilla, but oh my gosh, what a great character in the film. Yeah. Not that great a character in the comics no. to me. No. Uh but on on film, fantastic. So um so where do you go next? There, there are a couple of interesting. I, what I kind of miss is the fact that we didn't get to see the Fantastic Four discover Wakanda, because that was a good run of the Fantastic Four. You know, the 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 discovering this this technological marvel and in and we didn't really have we have the uh, I forgot his name now um, Watson um, Freeman Martin Freeman, Martin Freeman. Everett Ever K Ross right. Uh, we got him late, late-ish into it, and he, but he adapts really fast to what's going on. So it's not he's not like stumbling around or anything. Um, I, I would like to see uh, some of the some of but the I other. Think, I think we're going to see the flip side. It's funny you brought up Fantastic Four. So yeah. over the weekend, uh, I read I had gotten to that issue of the Priest Run. Christopher Priest run on Black Panther okay. where they had the 35th anniversary. So they reprinted right. the Fantastic Four stories, which I had never read. Uh-huh. So I think the reversal is um, that through Black Panther, that's how you can introduce the Fantastic Four. Interesting. Because they are intertwined as far as in the comics. Uh-huh. And there's an argument to be made that T'Challa is smarter than Reed Richards. And certainly Shuri is smarter than T'Challa. So she is smarter than Reed Richards and smarter than Tony Stark. And so I think that's the way to bring them in. If, assuming that everything goes goes through and Marvel does get the fantasy. Because the deal's not set in stone. That Disney Fox... I heard again that Com, I think it was Comcast, ra- you know, went uh, raised their hand and said, "Well, we'd be interested." And you got to investigate. And I, you know, we've talked about this before. There is a, I am torn. There is something to be concerned about one company owning all your, you know, all your entertainment needs. And I get that, you know, br- reducing the number of studios. Although, as I've also said, entertainment shifting and changing, and who knows. You know, that's the, that's the reason. It's not cost-effective for Fox to just be a movie studio. But if the Fantastic Four do come home to Marvel Studios, then that is a great way to introduce them through Black through Black Panther. Right. I would also agree with over the weekend, Marv Wolfman was on a panel at Gallifrey One and said, and skip the origin. Because we know the origin. Yeah. Let's just bring them in as they are explorers. And I think that's that's perfectly fine i'd be happy with that i also think that there's something to be they could 
do something with King Solomon's frogs. That's uh, and that would be Black Panther too. Yeah. Is is to start playing around with time. Who needs the Infinity Gauntlet uh, when you when you've got when you've got King Solomon's frogs that are that are, I like the the frogs are actually a character unto themselves in the and, and, and what I what I love and and it's it's James Gunn that started it. I want to give credit to Gar, you know to Guardians of the Galaxy of really pushing what. Marvel was willing to put on film. How silly, how goofy. And I know James didn't start the idea of Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. That was they were developing it and it's just that he he pushed it. Thor Ragnarok really pushed it. And this also is just opening up. When you look at Wakanda and you go know, every I think everybody ended up getting credit, you know, in the at the in the credits about, you know, all the combo creators that went there, but I was sitting there just thinking like I felt with Thor Ragnarok and Doctor Strange, they are and they aren't, obviously, because they're two live action, but to feel the visions of, like in Doctor Strange, to feel Steve Ditko's vision come to life, it was all, Doctor Strange was almost too gritty, the uh-huh. way they did everything for me, because it's like, Ditko's lines were just so oddly smooth and cool. It was all warped, but it was right. all really smooth. And to see Kirby's vision of Wakanda come to... You know, on film, that is amazing. And the great, you know, to me, honestly, the greatest tragedy of our time is that he died before he could see True. how he took over the world. Well, the, <laughs> we've already had in the comics, we have an implication. I can't remember the name of the issue that showed us, but there was something, uh, there was a whole page that talked about the Wakandan Empire in space. And, oh, they're relaunching. Yeah. They're relaunching. So, the, so which, which is... No pun intended. Which... For the, you know, if you think about it, Marvel has introduced the Inhumans as, uh, on the as TV Kree. show, yeah. as Kree, as, um, but as having been on Earth, uh, having been on Earth and then having gone to the moon and mm-hmm. um, Wakanda, there's an interesting problem that Wakanda brings and that is if they are going to share all that technology, it's always one of these, like, mm-hmm. how do you have, how do you have... Um, civilization changing technology introduced to a comic book and then still try and write Peter Parker, you know, in, in a very grounded uh, Spider-Man case. Uh, well, you know, there was a miniseries that covered, do you remember Big Town? Uh. So the miniseries Marvel put out that was answering that question. Yeah. Like what if, as they all are, what if, as Alan Moore might say, there aren't they all imaginary stories right. that if you had people like Peter Parker and Reed Richards and Tony Stark, what would happen if their technology really did change the world? Yeah. And so Big Town was that where everybody had all this technology. All right. So well, Astro City is, you know. To, to some extent. Yeah. Big Town was, you know, you, there's a certain suspension of disbelief. You're, you're, you're quite right. That's, and that is the problem. Yeah. And, and when people say it's unbelievable, it's like, yeah, if Tony Stark really is that big a deal like in Clean Energy – why why aren't the movie which i mean he certainly bragged about in avengers you know why aren't the movies reflecting that everybody in the world is better off because of that technology right and just embrace that it's sci-fi and i think that the next level after you've had infinity war the next time you see black panther and the dora milaje and shuri and everyone is if they're going to share that technology this is no longer the world that we know there is nothing that can be recognizable. 
And as long as they do that consistently, they can. It, it's it's an interesting storyline to tell, you know. Yeah, which yeah. I also think another place they could go would be like because uh, I just got through this. They called it Enemy of the State Part Two because that had been the right. Wolverine, right? Wolverine crossover, but but this one was in which, all right, they open up, and Ross kind of Martin Freeman's character sort of implies this is like. There's going to be a big impact when everybody discovers the thir- third world country is not a third world country. Right. And so if everybody survives Infinity War, then the next phase is what do the governments have to say? Right. About which was interesting that they the this there is I don't want to spoil the post credit scene, but there is implication that governments are already mm-hmm. going to be talking about that. I'm, one other thing I wanted to touch on this was a this was a pretty savage movie too. There were a lot of deaths in this movie. They yeah. don't they don't dwell on it, but you have heroes killing uh, fairly frequently and fairly quickly without much well, remorse. I took the I took the the Christopher Priest viewpoint, trying to explain to this writer friend of mine the other night, like because he said I'm hearing on the radio that everybody, you know, is Black Panther that good? Uh-huh. And I said. I said this to Troy Benson too. It's like, I'm not positive. I have to see it again. Darn. Um, I'm not positive if it really is that good a movie or if I'm just so excited that it exists that that's colored everything. I'm yeah. all, I'm, I'm really o- open about that, that. There are some where I just get super excited. It was certainly not the time we wa- I, that Michael Goodstone and I walked out of Daredevil and he said, <laughs> well, at least there are enough now that this won't kill it as a genre. <laughs> you know, but – um, where was I going? Oh, the, the the viewpoint is, you know, Priest's attitude was, and again, everybody should read it. Uh, and I think the first volume is free on it. If you have Amazon Prime, you can get download the digital oh. first trade paperback cool. through Comicsology. That he's not a superhero. Black Panther is a title. It's yeah. not a secret identity. Right. It's, and that makes the difference. And that the James Bond comparison is far more accurate because bond kills within you know with immunity so there is this these he does not have the morality of a of a superhero he has the morality of a tribal king of a soldier a warrior and although you could make an argument that the arc of the film of of his story in the film is bringing it around that Black Panther can function as a superhero as well, but he's not at the beginning, which to some extent Civil War was also that he was learning that vengeance can be hollow, which then comes into play, even though you don't need to have seen Civil War to understand what's going on in Black Panther, but comes into play with his friends who want Claw dead, and he's already moved past that, that that is not the preferred thing to have happen if you look at i mean it's it's funny that we bring up civil war because when i was watching the movie i was saying it's too bad that they had already used that title in a previous movie because this movie does have a real civil war in it and the ramifications yeah but i'm glad it didn't have that title but i i I know but the ramifications of a civil war where brother fights brother where neighbor fights neighbor and that was what happened in this movie and you the follow-up movie can still carry the scars of of things that happened in and that. probably will. But imagine yeah. Black Panther: colon, Enemy of the State. Oh. What a subtitle that would be! There you go. 
and then and then the Wakandan Galactic Empire is the third one, and we're just like, woo, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I, it was good. I mean, I'm gonna see it again tomorrow night, taking my son, and I'm I'm thrilled at its success. And again, you know, there's my grain of salt. I don't know that it is a great film because, like I said, it's it's by the you know, yeah, it's by the numbers because all superheroes, all comic book heroes, there's what's something. A, what's there's a, a lo- great superhero movie versus a great movie? You know, right? Well, and that's it. I know, think I, it's I, a timely movie. But I think I, it brings you know, up absolutely. A, a lot of I, I'm points. just saying when people say have been saying like it's by the numbers, I'm like, yeah, they all are. Yeah. But it's like Star Wars is. You know why nobody didn't like you know nobody didn't like Sarah Lee. Uh, the, Star Wars is the same is that the Last Jedi the broke that and and l- broke that mold and people weren't happy. So it's like the reality is there are things you have to acknowledge, things you have to do, but that you can put an idea behind it. Like Marvels always match their movies to a genre because even so you know right because uh, the Winter Soldier and Civil War both match a certain kind of film. But it would be a stretch to say that Hydra represents – well, maybe not now. But there's something going on in the world. Whereas I think this is the first time when you – when Killmonger's motivation is out there and you go, I can see your point. Certainly middle-aged white guy says, no. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, I mean I see the point and it's an interesting debate. And it's, a, it's the first one where I think – when you walk out of this movie and if you get into discussion with people, you're going to actually be discussing something that matters. You're not going to be discussing, hey, wasn't it cool when this or what do you think was really happening, blah, 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 blah. It's You're actually going to talk about something in the real world. You're going to, to be connecting it to something. And that is one of the reasons that I'm still reading comics. That wasn't the reason I started reading comics no. as a little kid. No. But now – I'm I am drawn to the comics that let me forget the real world, but I'm also really drawn to the comics that show me, uh, you know, okay, this is this is a behavioral thing, you know, or this we should be thinking this, you know. Um, so uh, I, I found it a very very moving film, and then uh, the the last cut post credit scene was just a, a cool nod to continuity too, while yes. completely blowing it apart. And I, I don't want to spoil that either, but it, it's just like oh. Okay, and movie fans will get it, and comic fans will get it on a completely different level, and that is cool. So they were good. They were good scenes. Everything about Black Panther, great soundtrack too. Yeah, you know, I didn't buy the orchestral score. Yeah, I have the Kendrick Lamar and songs inspired by as well, which is great. I'm really enjoying it. But after watching the movie, it was like I, I need to buy that other one yeah. because I really love the score. Yes, and so yeah, it's 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 cool. And they gave credit for um, "Don't Hurt Me." Yeah, I, I also want Marvel to release uh, Claws, Claws tape. Right, uh, just give me the SoundCloud link. Uh, no spoilers there. Uh, so. That's I think you know I think this this is we've had a massive episode with this inquest yes, uh, conversation and even when you edit out all the interruptions that we unfortunately had which had nothing to do with Rick nothing to do with me I'm just saying it's a state of telecommunications uh, today. anyway uh, hey thanks for listening and of course you can you know find us on your favorite podcatcher if you're not finding us on Fanboy Planet 
fanboyplanet.com each and every podcast has its own page and occasionally in there there are links uh, through Amazon there's always an Amazon search box on the side if we talked about something on this episode especially as we talk about comics and books and and you know I, I did want to say I you know back when I go to Titan that I like the hardcovers and I asked them Amazon sells the hardcovers you're probably not going to find the hardcover Doctor Who collections in uh, in stores in comic shops oh. you might find it in your Barnes and Noble your independent bookstore but they did assure me that I could continue <laughs> My hardcovers, you know, through Amazon. If you're like you're like me, but I like this because it just feels it's like more of the British it's numbered on the spine too. Well, because it's part, it's book one of the crossover. They're not oh, finished so with the oh, you I know. See. This is a good, it's not a good collection. Um, I just like having the. I don't know why. I understand. It's, it's the Christmas album kind of thing. But Tell anyway. me, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, that was a completely visual reference, but believe me, if you were here, you'd know. So, uh, there's the Amazon link. We are, you know, we do get a small kickback if you order something through Amazon. Uh, and of course we've got Think Geek as an affiliate. So please, you know, check out stuff at, at Think Geek. And, uh, if you just want to help defray the cost of hosting the, I made the mistake of trying to add up my costs each month and I, I almost cried this morning. So I'm just going to say, you know, yeah, if you'd like to kick in a little, buy a book. I'm happy with that. But, uh, you know, if you'd like to, to donate through PayPal, it's editor at fanboyplanet.com, as well as if you'd like to write in, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to f- editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can follow us on our Facebook page, which is fanboyplanet. You can also follow us on Twitter, which is at fanboyplanet. We're clever. There's a pattern there. <laughs> because I, I need to remember simple patterns at this point. I have so much in my head. Uh, and, of course, uh, there's also Instagram photos. And, you know, they try to, on each article, put up a photo from the articles uh, at Fanboy Planet, you know, there. Uh, but – and you can also comment directly on each page. There's – we've got Discus, so we've got commentary. I love seeing when people write, you know, write comments there and getting – get good discussions going. We try. Uh, so that's it for this episode. I am Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for good. good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.